0: The Lord amongst the people of God. And um, today, I trust, will encourage you and enlighten you and um, just um, prepare each and every one of us for um, the never ending spiritual battle that is taking place in our world. And since we are part of the world, uh, we are right in the thick of it. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next weeks. So pray with me, if you would, Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So like I said, today we're beginning a series on spiritual warfare engaging the unseen world. A significant segment of the community of faith live their lives unaware of the unseen world that they're immersed in. Now if pressed, they would say of course they understand you know um, that there's an unseen world but they don't live their lives cognizant of that reality. They are distracted and often overwhelmed by their physical senses that they fail to see the bigger picture and narrative that they live in. Okay, and today is meant to reorientate us um, to that bigger picture that we live in, much bigger picture. In an online interview, a national spiritual leader was asked about spiritual warfare. And the question was this, why do you consider this issue to be so important? And he answered, because there is a lack of understanding about the spiritual realm and the influence that it has on the physical realm. The spiritual realm precedes, influences, and to many degrees determines the physical realm the better we understand the spiritual and how it relates to the physical, the better we are able to operate as believers. That's what, that was his response. Then he was asked this question, is it true that Western cultures don't recognize the spiritual dimension as readily as many Eastern and animist cultures? To which he replied, absolutely. The materialistic nature of our culture camouflages the spiritual world and makes it seem insignificant and unimportant. Selah. I want to read that again. The materialistic nature of our culture camouflages the spiritual world and makes it seem insignificant and unimportant. That is to our spiritual detriment, he goes on to say, as believers we have contributed by not giving the spiritual dimension high play. Look at the theologies out there today that emphasize a physical blessing as the sum of all things. We have to help people understand the cause-effect relationship. There frequently is a strong link between the spiritual and the physical. That is, what we are dealing with in the physical realm often can be determined by what is taking place in the spiritual realm. Our failure, now listen to this, our failure to deal with the spiritual cause of the problems we encounter can really mess us up. That's what he, that, that was his answer to the question. So in this interview, several important issues surface. First, that there is a lack of understanding about the spiritual realm and the spiritual realm influences the physical realm. Most Westerners really live oblivious to that reality. You know, We just go about our day thinking everything is just naturally orientated. In fact, he states the spiritual realm determines the physical realm. Now, if you were to think deeply on just that statement, that's pretty profound, right? Secondly, the better we understand the spiritual realm, if I can get my fingers to work because they are so dry. So the better we understand the spiritual realm, the more effective we will be as believers. How many of us want to be more effective as believers? So it behooves us to better understand the spiritual realm, right? Thirdly, materialism camouflages the spiritual dimension of life and renders it insignificant. Fourthly, failure to recognize the spiritual component of life can have a devastating effect in our lives. There are times when God pulls back the veil and allows people to see the unseen world and this is recorded for us in Scripture and we're going to be looking at some of those examples today of just what we are talking about how the unseen spiritual dimension of our world directly affects the physical dimension in which we operate but realize right we are spiritual beings are we not right the spirit of God lives in us, he is breathed into us, we are living souls that God has created. So firstly, I want to talk about the reality that we need to understand the unseen reality. All of us have encountered the unseen world, everyone here in this room. If we are believers in Yeshua, are born a new experience was wrought with activity that we could not see with our natural sight. Think about that. The Ruach HaKodesh was moving over our lives, speaking to our hearts, leading us and guiding us to where we would encounter God's people and God's message. On the flip side of the coin, the forces of darkness were doing their very best to keep us deceived and away from the truth of God. And that's why for many of us, it took many, many years before we came to faith. Because the evil one was actively deceiving us so that we could not see the truth. That was all taking place and it was real in the spiritual dimension. we must come to understand how significantly the spiritual dimension plays in our day-to-day lives. So I mean, every day, that is a component of what's going on in our world. Where do you think war is from? (laughs) Where do you think that's from? Think people just, you know what, let's start killing one another, right? No, it comes from forces of evil that influence people's hearts and minds. 2 Corinthians 4.18, listen to this verse, it's powerful. It says, as we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So if we think about that verse, it's telling us that our emphasis should be which? On the seen or the unseen? On the unseen. In Melachim Bet, 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Aram was upset at his men because his plans were being thwarted, right? He wanted to ambush Israel. And he thought that there was a spy in the midst of his camp. But his servants replied this in Melachim, Beth, chapter 6. Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words you speak privately in your own bedroom. He said, go and see, this is the king of Aram, go and see where he is, Elisha, so that I can send and bring him here. They told him he's in Dotan. Verse 14. So he sent horses, chariots, and a large army there They came by night and surrounded the city. The servant of the man of God got up early in the morning. On going outside, he saw an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. His servant said to him, said to Elisha, Oh, my master, this is terrible. What are we going to do? Could you imagine this? Imagine waking up at your house and your entire neighborhood was surrounded by tanks and soldiers, and you would be like, this is not good. And this is exactly what Elisha's servant said to the prophet. What are we going to do? Verse 16, he answered, Elisha answered, don't be afraid. Those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Elisha prayed, Adonai, I ask you to open his eyes so that he can see. Then Adonai opened the young man's eyes and he saw there before him all around Elisha the mountain was covered with horses and fiery chariots. You see, the servant could only see in the natural realm and it looked like, wow, we're in trouble. But Elisha could see the unseen world. And when he prayed and God opened the servant's eyes, he saw horses and fiery chariots. Those are the hosts of heaven. That was reality. That's what was taking place. There was obviously more to the event than meant the natural eye. Yes, there was absolutely an overwhelming physical threat that Alicia and his servant were facing. But there was more to the story, wasn't there? There was an unseen component that the servant could not see that Alicia understood and his ability to discern the spiritual landscape enabled him to walk in the peace of God and convey that peace and sentiment to the servant. There's a reason why God tells us over two hundred times in the Scripture, "Fear not." You want to know why? Because God is moving, even when we don't see it, even when we don't—is there a song we sing? <laughs> even when we don't feel it, God's moving. And that was certainly the case here in this story. God had sent or dispatched the armies of heaven to be with his prophet and the servant. There's more that is going on than what we encounter with our physical senses. And know it's interesting, even ungodly, spiritually insensitive people understand that. And they go follow ghosts and all the paranormal things that are floating around. Because one thing they do know is that they know it's real. They know it's there. And often believers pretend like it's not there. I don't think that's wise. Listen, a message like this isn't meant to make us afraid. Because we don't fear. It's meant to make us aware. You hear me? Not to be afraid. Because, right, we just sang it for about 10 minutes today, right? I'm not alone. God is with me. He goes before me. I'm not alone. Why do I need to be afraid of the enemy? He is with me, just like he showed the prophet. But listen, Elisha's ability to discern God and the unseen world allowed them to escape destruction, right? They were doomed unless Alicia was in tune to what was going on. Let me give you the second point. So understand the unseen reality. Number two, engage the unseen world. Another pericope into the unseen world is found in Daniel Hanavi. In the prophet Daniel, chapter 10, It says in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belteshazzar and the word was true and it was a great conflict and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Ufaz around his waist. So here he is in the natural. He's just fasting and praying. We all know what that looks like. He just came through Yom Kippur. Nothing special, nothing supernatural about what Daniel's doing. But now, all of a sudden, the unseen world manifests, right, to Daniel. Verse 10, and behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, just like you are. He's no more special than you in God's sight. O man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words." The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So Daniel's praying. He's putting in the work, right? Right? of getting on his face before God. He's fasting, he's praying, fasting and praying, right? And denying yourself is uncomfortable. And he's asking God to intervene in this situation. He's not understanding why God isn't answering his petitions. You ever been there? And he's concerned. In the physical realm, Daniel is doing his part, but nothing is seemingly happening. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But suddenly, the unseen world becomes visible to the prophet, and he encounters an angelic being who is glorious in appearance. In fact, Gabriel is the archangel, Gabriel. Just like Mikhail is the one of four archangels. And the prophet encounters him. He sees, he gets a glimpse into what was happening spiritually. God is giving him understanding so we could have understanding. He's giving him understanding so that us, all these years later, could have understanding as to what happens when we pray. When we begin to engage, right? The unseen realm through prayer and fasting. Perhaps we quit too early. Daniel fasted and prayed for three weeks. And what is needed, perhaps, is perseverance in order to see the battle in the unseen world won. That's just an aside. The fact is, the story is what it is, right? But the point is, we sometimes miss the fact that this is very, very practical. If you were to view this scenario with your eyes, and you were unable to see the spiritual what that Daniel was able to see, it looked very practical. The man's just praying and fasting. He's getting down on his knees. He's fasting. He's on his face. He's crying out to God. God, hear me. Similar to what you do. God, hear my prayer. God, come through for your people. Lord, Intervene. But there's something else happening that Daniel knew nothing about. There was something going on in the unseen world. There was an engagement, a warfare taking place between the angels of God and the forces of darkness. Another commentator comments on this passage. And he says, God has arranged the angelic realm in differing ranks referred to as rule, authority, power, and dominion. Ephesians chapter 1. Gabriel and Michael have been assigned authority over angels who administer God's affairs for the nation of Israel. And we can see that in Daniel here, 10, 12, and Jude 9. In imitation, Satan has also apparently assigned high ranking demons to positions of authority over each kingdom. The prince of the Persian kingdom was a satanic representative assigned to Persia. To seek to prevent Gabriel's message from getting to Daniel, the demonic prince attacked Gabriel as he embarked on his mission. This gives insight, okay, this is where we need to pay attention, this gives insight into the nature of the warfare fought in the heavenlies between God's angels and Satan's demons, to which Rav Shaul refers to in Ephesians chapter 6. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Shaul is pointing us, I believe, without a doubt, Shaul had this in mind. And Shaul is trying to remind us, folks, people of God, okay? There's something going on that you have to get. It's important that you get this. That there are spiritual happenings all around us that if we are aware to them, we would react so differently than we do. We get mad at people because situations are going awry. Do you ever think that situations might possibly be going awry in your life because there are spiritual forces involved that don't want you to be just happy and spiritually healthy and just walking with God, you know, just killing it in the kingdom? Do you think he wants tension between husband and wife and father and son? Of course he does. To keep us off kilter. And then he wants to discourage us so we don't pray. And perhaps Daniel, we don't know this speculation, perhaps Daniel was on the brink of quitting. I mean, after all, he's going at it for three weeks. He's, he's, you know, enough is enough. Maybe he's on the brink of quitting and here comes Gabriel and he says hey Daniel we, we heard the second you began to pray but I want to let you know there was a little traffic in the heavens there's a little traffic and maybe we need to realize that there's a little traffic in our world friends if what I said earlier is true that the physical is affected by the spiritual. Look at our world and deduce what the heck must be going on in the spiritual realm to produce this. It must be full out World War III in the spirit. But we don't think like that, do we? We just get up in the morning worried about our Keurig working. (laughs) You know, make sure the coffee shop has our bagel the way we like it and just going about our business like it's not happening. But the truth is, all the things that we're upset about that we see that are wrong and the evil, that's all happening in the spiritual realm. And friends, like Daniel, we can't ignore it. And Daniel was written then so we could understand that we are engaged. Like it or not, we're engaged in the spiritual war. And we're not to be afraid of it, but we are to be aware of it. And if we're aware of it, there's a couple of things that will happen. We will pray more effectively, and we won't give up. We won't give up when we, when we hit traffic. You know, we should understand this as Long Islanders, shouldn't we? I don't know about you. Okay, my kids will ask me, Hey, Dad, how long does it get to Great Neck? Well, depends what time that you're going to Great Neck. If you're going 7 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be an hour, a good hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes to get there. Because there's traffic. But if you go in on a Sunday afternoon, you know, you'd be there in 45 minutes. So to accentuate this just a little more, I hope it works. I have a clip to show you, a movie clip that has sound that it works and we'll show it to you. So guys, get ready. Folks, be patient. (laughs) Let's see if it it works. Sound? Louder? Okay, pause for a second. Can you pause? Pause that. Just to set it up, this kid finds a pair of glasses that allows him to see the unseen world. And in the movie he puts on these glasses and this is what happens. Make it nice and loud. found it, a boy. He has gone no through He has lost. We must remain hidden. I trust the window and silence the boy. My lord, he is not ours. <sighs> His friend who serves their book in the But he is not ours. Ah, However, the boy has a sister. Take those glasses, boy. Oh Jesus. three, okay, here we go, so that woke you up, right, Oops, take those other channels that y- down, that you turned up, mute them, just mute them, all right, so that boy was living his life, this is still hot, living his life, oblivious, to the unseen world. And then all of a sudden, he had, this is still hot, this microphone, um, came into a rude awakening. And he began to hear things in the spiritual realm that were directly affecting the natural world. There's another part in the movie later on where he puts on the glasses as he's driving down a suburban street, just like you live in. And he has the glasses on and he hears the demons voice kind of really instigate an argument and then all of a sudden an argument breaks out in the natural so the demon says something argumentative all of a sudden it comes out of the woman's mouth and then the demon says something argumentative it comes out of the husband's mouth and this is happening showing that what happens in the spiritual realm directly why is it this microphone is still could, could you we just take down the volume of this microphone yes just take it down just take the gain down or something super so right so this is a lesson to us this is what God wants us to see we think that we're just getting under each other's skin husbands and wives. We think that there's nothing to it except you're irritating me in the natural. But perhaps there's more to the picture than meets the eye, right? And perhaps we need to engage the spiritual dimension and not just duke it out in the flesh. So, for instance, we know this that um, in World War II, Reese Howells, right, the book, The Intercessor, it's a good read, prayed, and they prayed. If you read that book, you'll see that they prayed the Allies to victory. Prayed the Allies to victory. In the natural, it just looked like a world war. But there was another war being waged, in the spiritual dimension, that they chose to engage. And guess what? Things happened, yeah? So, for all intents and purposes, Daniel was just going through the motions of religious ritual prayer. But in reality, there was an unseen world brimming with angelic activity to see Daniel's prayers answered. And we need to engage in that activity as well. I wonder what our homes would be like if instead of arguing, we stopped and prayed. Excused ourselves and go into the restroom and, and pray instead of argue. I bet you things would be different. I bet you in our families when things are breaking down instead of just, you know, listen, often our first call is just to do things in the natural. Instead of, if this, what I'm saying today is true, and I think the scriptures back it up, that if there's a spiritual component, and the spiritual is more important than the natural, then maybe our first act, and I don't say you shouldn't do anything in the natural. But our first act should be to take care of the spiritual unseen realities first. Let me give you one more point, And that is we need to start speaking to the unseen world. So understand this is an introductory message and some of what I am mentioning today will be covered in more detail in future messages. And I want to highlight one final passage in the life of Yeshua that speaks to the area of spiritual warfare. So, in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, Yeshua and his Talmudim went on to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked his Talmudim, Who are people saying I am? Some say you're yoking on the immerser, they told him. Others say Eliyahu, and still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked, who do you say I am? Kepha answered, you are the Mashiach. Then Yeshua warned them not to tell anyone about him. He began teaching them that the Son of Man had to endure much suffering and be rejected by the elders, the head Kohanim, and the Torah teachers, and they had to be put to death. But that after three days, he had to rise again. He spoke very plainly about it. Kepha took him aside and began rebuking him. Can you imagine that? I wonder. We, we know this is going to go well for, for, for Kepha. I mean, you're going to rebuke Mashiach? Okay. But Kepha took him aside and began rebuking him, but turning around and looking at his Talmudim, he rebuked Kepha and he said, Get behind me, sit For your thinking is from a human perspective, not from God's perspective. So think of this scene. It's a very natural scene. And ma- matter of fact, Kepha was, someone writes this, Kepha was an unwitting spokesman for Satan because he was setting his mind not on the things of God, his ways and purposes, but on the things of men, human values and viewpoints the way of sacrifice was God's will and Yeshua refused to abandon it, right? Yeshua knew that the idea that Kepha was floating and was likely shared by the other 12, by the way, was inspired by Satan. Yeshua then addresses the unseen realm and rebukes Kepha, but in reality, he really rebukes the enemy, doesn't he? He says, get behind me, Satan. He saw something going on there that those thoughts were not the thoughts of human Kepha. Those were the thoughts of the king of darkness. And instead of Yeshua, right, just rebuking Kepha, he speaks to that spiritual reality that was manifesting right there in front of him. Yeshua was aware that the ideas and the ideologies of the kingdom of darkness were present, while also being cognizant that the physical and spiritual dimensions are always influencing each other. And I think that's our lesson today, that we need to understand that the physical and spiritual realities of the universe are always influencing each other and sometimes we as the people of God often tend to neglect this spiritual reality and primarily deal only in the physical. I'm just saying this you could disagree with me but you'd have to show me. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's wise. I don't think that's the right call. I don't think that's the right play. If I read these passages correctly, the right play is to take care of business in the spiritual dimension of life. In the movie Invisible Enemies, that we just saw a clip from, and it's always difficult to get these clips right, uh, I told my wife, I said, I have low confidence that that's going to work flawlessly, and you know, but in the movie Invisible Enemies, there's a catch line that says, Nothing is neutral. Think of that. Nothing is neutral, meaning it is either from God or from Satan. And there is a spiritual war waging, whether we know it or not, that affects the outcomes of different scenarios in our lives. Nothing's neutral. So here are a couple of scriptures to consider. Ephesians 2. You used to be, now this is us, right? You used to be dead because of your sins and acts of disobedience. You walked in the ways of the Olam Hazah, the ways of this world, and obeyed, listen to me, the ruler of the powers of the air, who is still at work among the disobedient. Who is still at work who is still at work, who is still at work. He was at work back in Daniel. He was at work time of Yeshua, is still at work. Indeed, we all once lived this way. We followed the passions of our old nature and obeyed the wishes of our old nature and our own thoughts. In our natural condition we were headed for God's wrath just like everyone else so who does Shaul highlight who is the culprit here they obeyed the ruler of the power of the air and if we're not living with Yeshua right we get influenced by that power but as believers we're not influenced by that power but everyone else is Let me continue. Let me give you another one. Yohanan Aleph 519 says, we know, he has the spiritual discernment to know, that we are from God and that the whole world, say the whole world, world. lies under the power of the evil one. The whole world. The whole world. So does it surprise us to see what's happening in the world? The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Well, if that's the case, then all the philosophies and ideologies of the world that are spoken into the lives of people every day, even some of you folks, because let's face it, we watch the news. we get it from the media talking heads right to the university professors that our kids sit under. They're all influenced by the evil one. The whole world. It begs the question, should we be listening to these voices, to these ideologies, these philosophies? and what should we be speaking to counteract them? I don't think, I think God wants us to be spiritually savvy. Still a little hot, Edie. This it's ringing out here. So, Honer writes this. He says, the unsaved follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is Satan. The whole world is under the control of the evil one, also called the god of this age, in 2 Corinthians 4.4. The unsaved are now in the clutches of this ruler, quote-unquote, and follow in his opposition to God. So if you wonder why our society is godless, right? Some suggest that Ways of this world in Ephesians 2 refers to the ruler, meaning that Satan personally works in the sons of disobedience. This spirit then refers to the impersonal force or atmosphere which is controlled and directed by Satan, 1 John 5.19 that I just quoted. This spirit is presently at work in unbelievers, in those who are disobedient, is literally the sons of disobedience. So the Greek word translated disobedience or disobedient is used several times in the Brit Chadasha, And it suggests a conscious and active rebellion and opposition against God. So today we read our Parsha. And what was it? It was Bereshit chapter 1. Let me ask you this. Is there any verse or passage in scripture that has been come against more than Bereshi chapter 1 in our schools, universities, and institutions of education? Nope. Because if they can destroy the foundation and say, no, no, God didn't create, that would be ridiculous. God created it. Come on, there was a single cell organism and it just... And the world just blew up, and all these things, living things, appeared. And if so, if they get rid of God, their godless philosophy is up and running. It suggests let me hear this, read this to you again a conscious and active rebellion. And opposition against God. Friends, if that's not what we're witnessing with our own two eyes, I don't know what it is. I mean, we have kids going to school that are coming home to believing parents and they couldn't even they don't even know how to define a man or a woman anymore. They're confused. A good friend of mine, he's actually the Vice President of the National Jewish Fellowship, Dr. Greg Stone, they just had a, a he, he's at Gateway Church in Dallas, 50 some odd thousand people, right? And they just had a conference, and at that conference they had people from all under the world, all, all over the world come, and know what they said their question was, what in the world is wrong with America? What is wrong with Americans that they don't know the, how to tell the difference between a boy and a girl? What's going on? What what what's 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 up? The ruler, the prince power of the air is at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, again, remember, we're not afraid of any of that, but we are aware. So if your kids go to public school, you should be aware of the influence that they're under, that they want your little Johnny okay to be okay with being little Jane and all the things that go with it well guess what are we wise to this if we're wise to this then what are we going to do we're going to do what we need to do in the spiritual realm right through prayer and through fasting and through speaking the word of God and getting a hold of our kids guys do not Abrogate your parental authority given by God to a school educator, please. That's the silliest thing you could ever do. You know, I always always said this about my kids. The most precious thing that I've been given are my two kids. And so I early chose to take my kids out of public school, and my kids were homeschooled because I wanted to make sure that things that went into those kids were the things that were consistent with the Word of God. Now, I get it. Everyone can't do that, and that's fine. But if you can't do it, you better make sure you have your pulse on what's going on between the ears of your kids. Because don't think that these people who are running rampant and are disobedient to God are not downloading all of the evil philosophies and ideologies of men into their hearts and minds. Of course they are. And you are the only one that stands in the way of that taking root. Come on, friends, this is such a common thing in our society. Believing kids, right, who grow up in a congregation their whole life they love God. They're part of the youth group. They're just serving God, blessing the socks off of mom and dad and the rabbis and the pastors. And Wow. They're, they're a part of the youth movements. They go into youth conferences. They go to university. And they come out after four years for many of our students. And they don't even believe in God anymore. You think that's just by accident? No, that's by design. And the only one that stands between that is you and me. We've been, you're the parent of your child. Right? So when you release them anywhere, would you release them if a stranger knocked on your door and said, hey, can I be your eight-year-old? Just want him for three or four hours. Is that okay? alright they just take them down a block a couple blocks away is that okay well you know essentially that's what we do when we send them to school right do you know that teacher personally do you know what they're about Do you know what they think do you know who they worship do you know anything about them no we release them why because the government says they're they're cool they pass the test they have a degree they're good to go and you take your kid and you ship them off and Who knows what they're being told? And we do know and have a little insight now after COVID, right, when parents got a little glimpse of some of the things the little yellow dean were being taught and parents started to say, wait a second, you're teaching my kids what? And parents began to get a little vocal, right, because they, their, the, the, the veil was peeled back a little bit. Get it? God is showing us this so that we could be proactive, so that we could know what's going on and not live our lives in a clueless state, spiritually speaking. This is why Yeshua did not think that Kepha's words were just an innocent gesture of loyalty. Right? Because it could be misconstrued as that such. Yeshua saw straight through them and addressed them as they were the very thoughts of the adversary. They weren't neutral. They were meant to pull him off his course, his mission. They weren't neutral. They were meant to stop him from going to the tree of sacrifice. Just like worldly ideologies that come from the unseen dimension are meant to throw us off course and shipwreck our lives. And if you were to say, Rabbi, I think you're over exaggerating. This is what I think. I think I'm under stating it. I think I'm understanding it. We're spiritual beings first. Created by God. And the in Hasatan, in the unseen world, wants to influence us. Don't let them. So that means three things need to happen. One, we must understand the unseen realities of the spiritual war. Don't make any bones about it. We are in a full-blown spiritual war. I don't care. On the way to shul today, I said to my wife, wow, what a beautiful day. It looks so gorgeous and peaceful. But let me tell you, can I tell you the last three days coming to this message were very tumultuous. Secondly, we must engage the unseen world. Daniel engaged the unseen world. Elisha engaged the unseen world. Yeshua engaged the unseen world. You have three different periods in history. And these spiritual men got it. We would be foolish not to get it as well. Friends, don't neglect this reality. And then thirdly, we must speak to the unseen dimension. Yeshua. He wasn't afraid about his Talmudin being upset with him. I mean, th- right? He think about it. He turns from Kepha, looks at looks at the bunch of them and says, Satan, get behind me. He didn't care who was there. He rebuked what he knew to be the issue and the problem, causing this false ideology and philosophy to be propagated because he had a mission to complete, right, that God wanted him to complete. The Father wanted him to complete. And he was not going to acquiesce to the demonic philosophy even though it was articulated through someone he loved very dearly. He rebukes it and goes about his business. He spoke to it. I encourage us, we need to be speaking the word of God over our lives, over our families, over our children. We need to be filling our hearts and our minds with the word of God. Listen, you know, I I know for a lot of believers, Fox is, you know, there's God, Fox TV, and then, you know, but what can I tell you? There's God and there's God's word, and there's God's kingdom and God's people. Everything else, who knows? I don't know who they are. I don't know what they believe. I don't know how they talk. Listen, if they line up with godly values, awesome. But guess what? I'm still betting on the kingdom of God. I'm betting on the word of God. I'm betting on what I can get my hands on from God, the spirit of God. I don't know what these people do or say in their private life. I'm all in with God. And we need to put all of our emphasis on God and his kingdom, his truth and his light, and let it guide us and keep us. Do not be silenced. You know, one of the craziest things, I'm going to end here, but I really feel I need to say this. That happens in our society that parents are at the point now where they feel even intimidated to speak to their own children. That parents won't even address things to their own kids because they're afraid of, oh, they're not gonna like this if I tell they won't like it if I tell them that. They won't like it if I tell them that. There was a thing that just came out, and it was I just read the article yesterday briefly, it was an article about a doctor who does, performs this transgender surgeries. And all the, by the way, science that's coming out now is saying that this is so dangerous for children. And in the article, he acknowledges that it's dangerous, but this is what he says, But it makes the kids happy. Makes the kids happy. Maybe in the short term, but it makes their life a horror show in the long term. But it makes the kids happy. Friend, we can't appease. People, we have listen, you could speak the truth in love, but you gotta speak the truth. Don't don't give away your you know, parental authority to a school, to a district, to anyone. Be in charge and speak and love. You know, love your kids and speak the truth to them. Have a relationship that they could hear you when you speak. You know, that comes from a loving, nurturing relationship. When you have that, they'll hear you when you speak. I have to say one thing about my kids. I know my kids. My kids, my son's going to get me later. He hates when (laughs) when I mention them in the service. But I'll tell you this my kids, I guarantee you this, do not like everything dad has to say. But I'll also tell you this they listen to everything dad has to say. And I mean listen in the sense that they consider everything I tell them and they'll think about it deeply and they'll come back to me and they might have a little dialogue with me about it. But everything I say has weight with them. And that happens through the, through relationship. So build that sort of relationship with your kids that when you speak they don't just blow you off and say ah. That they really listen. Now, listen, at the end of the day, they're going to be who they're going to be, right? They're their own people. But they should respect and consider when you're their parent who loves them, because no one's going to love them more than you, speaks into their life. And if you're giving godly advice, guess what? I'll bet you dollars to donuts that they'll listen to it. So, that's all I got for you today, guys. It's super duper... It's a really important message that I I pray and I trust that you will allow this to sink deep down in your kishkas and live your life by it, because this is really, if you think it's bad now, (laughs) if we don't get on God's program and begin to understand and discern the spiritual landscape, we're going to be behind the eight ball, so to speak. So let's stand on our feet. Let me bless you. God loves you. You know that? God looks at you and says, wow, they're pretty awesome. I'm serious. God looks at you and says, wow, they are pretty awesome. Why? Because you are a vessel of the Holy Spirit of God. That's pretty awesome. And everywhere you go, the kingdom of God goes. That's pretty awesome. So my encouragement to you is go out there and to continue to be awesome. (laughs) evere corona ever is mere cha here aduna upon a ville cha isaruna upon a ville cha Shalom may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And we ask you, B'Shem Yeshua, Father, bless your people, protect your people, encourage your people, bring healing and health to them, spirit, soul, and body. And I ask you, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. God bless you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.